Hi, welcome back to the Manufacturing Come Up. I'm Malika Grab, your host. And today we have a special guest, Ann Wyatt, president of Ann Wyatt Recruiting. I uh, love having recruiters on the show because, well, they're dealing with getting people jobs and, and filling jobs on a daily basis. And here we have the owner of the company. Hey, Malachi, how are you? How's it going? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's You've good been... to be here with you. Thank you for asking me to come to your show. I'm so proud of uh, what you guys are doing. I love your content. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. And I and us too of, of what you got, what you're doing and in, in the community and um, you know really giving back and just helping develop some more of those programs. Um, I, if you wouldn't mind, can you can you let let people know what you've been working on a little bit? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So um, I've been working on uh, several different things here in the past few weeks. One of those, which I think is kind of what uh, direction you're alluding to, is developing a workforce development program for a local nonprofit here in Athens. Um, the uh, Family Resource Center of Athens Limestone County, um, they received a very generous grant from uh, the A Reset Workforce Development Program. Yeah. And they really needed somebody to kind of come in and help them with developing like standards and procedures and process flow and some uh, class mm -hmm. content material. So I've been very fortunate to be able to work with them on getting some of that material together for them and um, help uh, kind of roll out that program. So. Super excited about that. I'm sure that'll be ready to launch in January, but it's a really exciting opportunity for local area employers and also participants that are interested in getting some um, skills upgrading because they're, you know, the premise of the program is to really partner with uh, training providers and get some upskilling for the area. So it's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. If this is a little bit outside of what our podcast is about, but like for like those individuals who are like trying to build out some of these programs, like how, where does this kind of start at? Like where, like how can a community start to build out some type of, some of these type of programs? Oh, that's a great question. A lot of that comes with grants and receiving grants. Um, and that will come in either uh, from a funding stream derived from the state government or from the federal government. Mm. And, um, you know, it's just about grant writing and submitting those grants and then um, being selected to, to facilitate those grants. Gotcha. So if, you know, if you're interested in developing a workforce program, um, there is, you know, you got to have a strong grant writer, I would say would be your first. <laughs> Your gotcha. first step, somebody that can research all of that and write the grants and proposals and yeah, um, and then build a team around around that um, end goal. Yeah, because a lot of these a lot of these grants have like kind of specific requirements to them, don't they? Yes. Yeah, so this one specifically um, was it, it, it's only available to recipients of SNAP which mm. is formally yes, kind of yeah. known as welfare, if you're familiar with SNAP and TANF, <laughs> uh, yeah. which is, you know, temporary assistance for needy families. Yep. Um, so that's kind of the, the premise of uh, the participants. Uh, that's, you know, you, that's a requirement 
to receive funding for financial assistance for tuition reimbursement, anything like that. Um, but on the flip side of that, that's a very underserved community population um, that, you know, if yeah. anyone needs the skills development and upskilling, it's, it. it's probably yeah. that population. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, hundred percent. I think, you know, and that, that this is like one of the major reasons why we launched this podcast is like, because I was like one of those individuals that kind of came from maybe lower middle class, maybe upper poverty. But, uh, you know, so like there was like definitely a disconnect of like individuals around me that that knew much about careers, career paths. And, you know, like I said, the, these individuals are the people that need to be assisted the most. They need the most information, the most guidance uh, to, to potentially break that cycle and, and do more with their life. Exactly. And I mean, from my personal experience in having this, you know, on the ground, we'll say perspective, I know it's really easy for people to sit back and say, what happened in someone's life for them to have, you know, or they made bad decisions or whatever. Yeah. Um, but really, and, and something that I learned from developing the grant and kind of meeting with some of the participants initially was um, when you when you're asking these questions and you're getting to know these individuals, there's a lot of underlying factors that I don't think people necessarily realize um, like and we would call those employment barriers. Right. Like lack of transportation or, um, you know, maybe someone is is a victim of domestic violence or um, maybe someone has um, a physical disability, like they have problems with their eyesight and, mm -hmm. you know, they otherwise would be fine, but it's yeah. really about identifying those employment barriers for individuals and then um, working with them and then your other local area nonprofits and agencies to get them assistance in overcoming those barriers. And once yeah. you do that, you know, you're really solving a core problem and you're not just putting a mm. band-aid on it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And like one of the limitations that comes to my mind is uh, maybe people in their younger portion of their life, maybe they were involved in like criminal activity and whatnot. And so like, especially psychologically, they may, they may have had like some, let's say a petty offense and it's like possession of marijuana or something like that. And and so now they think they think that they can't get a job. And, and so now they feel like they have this big roadblock, this big barrier. And there are some companies where it will be some limitations, but you also can't have that mindset of like, I'm stuck. I can't do anything else. Like nobody will hire me because there's, there's a lot of companies out there that, that will do, uh, you know, second chance programs or not even second chance. They just have a, you know, um, what do you call it? Like a lower threshold and what they're willing to hire for uh, or limitations. Absolutely. And there's a lot of uh, funding to support in expungement fairs and other things like that. So if that's something that, you know, has maybe affected you in the past, there's, uh, you know, you've really got to look at what's going on in your local area, because there's a really good chance that there is some agency providing some sort of expungement mm -hmm. fair where they can actually um, help you address those. What for one, the expungement thing, and for two, the um, 
these career development programs, how can like somebody go about searching these, right? Cause like, obviously people are going to be listening across the United States, the world. Um, how can they go about trying to search and like maybe some keywords or something like that to try to find some of these organizations? Absolutely. Um, and that's a great point because it varies. The agency name oftentimes varies from state to state, right? Especially with um, like government agencies. But here, um, here I would start with, you know, if you're looking for a state agency, a, like a career center is a good solid key string, key hmm. search string. Um, you should be able to find some information about your local area career center regardless of the name here it's called alabama works in kentucky it was called the kentucky career center yeah. um but that's indiana is i think work one is what ours is called yeah see work so one. you you see there's a lot of yeah. um varied difference there but career yeah. center is a uh, pretty infallible mm. so it starts yeah. there actually and while, while we're here on this subject i don't even know that i've ever mentioned this publicly but I actually ended up dropping out of high school, like 16 years old. And then I, so I wasn't going to graduate until I was 19. I, I dropped out at 16. I said, you know what? I'll drop out as long as I get my GD by the time I'm 17. And so I went to like one of those work one, like uh, I think ours was called like the JAG program or something like that. Uh, but it was like a GED assistant program. They offered like some benefits, like, you know, if you got your GED, they paid you $250. They helped you with like gas reimbursements, like all kinds of cool little uh, like snippets for um, being able to help you and kind of incentivize you for moving forward with your with your degree program. And uh, so that's what I ended up doing. I had 17 years old. I got my had my GED and um, actually kind of got a, a slight bit of a uh, what do you call it? like a, a little hedge on life because I, I essentially graduated two years sooner than I would have through high school. Yeah, absolutely. And as far as I know, a lot of those GED programs are free too. So, um, you know, you can, there's, there's pathways out there. Sometimes it takes a little bit of work to get to them. Sometimes it takes, you know, a little bit of research, um, a little bit of picking up the phone and calling some folks, but there's all kinds of pathways out there and congratulations and good for you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. I've, one thing that I like, I definitely want to touch on a lot is like, because of the, because of like kind of going through like my weird, like career path that I did in the beginning is it definitely created like more insecurities, right? Like if I would have, if I would have went through the, the college or the high school path, graduated, and then like went to like, I don't even want to say a, a prestigious college, but like a somewhat reputable college. Uh, I'm not saying that I didn't go to a reputable college, but like one where you move away from home, it kind of is like more of that college vibe that like that in itself, there's, I think there's something about that that distills like a confidence level in your, in yourself of like, Hey, I did this thing. Like, it's really kind of funny. Like there's a lot of times where I've literally thought I'm like, man, I wish I went to college and I'm like, Oh wait, that's right. I have two degrees. <laughs> but it's, it's so weird. But like I've literally thought that a couple times and I'm like, and like, oh, okay, like, yeah. So like, I think I think it's just the moving away from home. It's the it's a much more of an impactful transition in life that kind of creates like a a threshold and a milestone that can definitely help psychologically as well. Maybe I haven't really thought about that. Um, I don't know. I think yeah. um, 
for me, when I decided I wanted to to go to college, it was more out of think teenage angst and rebellion. <laughs> right then it was then it was anything but then again i mean you think about all the all the degree programs that are out there and then you know i've got add so bad so i'm over here like oh you know like i think my uh my gym class you know you've got to take a gym class um i think i took horseback riding (laughs) and i'm thinking you know years later i'm like why didn't i go into engineering or why didn't i you know, do something (laughs) a little bit more focused, you know, at the time. Um, Yeah. So I think there's a, so what I'm saying is I think that there's two sides to the coin, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There's advantages, I think on one, you know, in in one sense for either of those things. And then there's cons and, um, you know, right now with the current state of our workforce in manufacturing, we've really got to, um, make, make some leeway for, uh, traditional four-year degrees. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm not saying, you know, we need to boost that. We need to cut that time process out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. hundred one percent. And also too, like going back to like, kind of like the community that you're, that, that you're trying to reach out to and that we're definitely trying to reach out to as well. That community is also, more restricted like their their capability to like go and do a four-year degree at a non-local college is not really an option or at least psychologically doesn't feel like an option mm-hmm. and, in, in and that's people, yeah go ahead sorry that's affecting a whole talent pool you're missing a whole talent pool mm-hmm. right by not offering that and um that's you know that's kind of sad absolutely yeah yeah definitely so since we, we kind of touched on a little bit on, on your background, but if you wouldn't mind kind of taking us back to, to your upbringing and, and where, uh, kind of what brought you to where you're at today? Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, so I'm originally, I'm in Athens, Alabama now, which is right outside of Huntsville. Um, but I grew up, I was born and raised in Campbellsville, Kentucky. And that is in central Kentucky. I don't know. Um, if you being in Indiana, I don't know if you're familiar with that uh, part of yeah, Kentucky or not. It. Yeah, I've heard yeah. of it. Um, so I was born and raised there and, um, I, it, I guess it was a good, good childhood, but I remember my parents, you know, they both worked for government and they were both very much, um, involved in the community. And so I was raised to be very involved in the community Mm. by proxy. Um, And then, you know, when I left Campbellsville, I went to Western Kentucky University, um, got my degree there. I graduated in 2010. And that was kind of during all of the 08 recession and all of that. Of course, in Mm. Bowling Green, a lot of the manufacturing was automotive. Because, you know, you've got GM. They make the Corvettes there. And then you had supplier companies, you know, kind of around the area. And um, so that area was hit particularly hard during that time. Um, When I graduated, I noticed that, you know, people were still kind of out. The economy as a whole there, the local area economy looked very sustainable. So I said, well, you know, maybe I should just stay here. You know, I liked it. Um, so I ended up staying in Bowling Green 
and um, was kind of out looking for, you know, doing the whole job search thing. And uh, I didn't have internet. And this is like my favorite story to tell too. So if, I, if you've heard this before and you're listening and I've worn <laughs> you out with it, I'm sorry. But um, I didn't have internet because I just graduated college. I was like this poor college kid. And so um, all the job searching was of course done online at that point. And my mom's like, you should go to the unemployment office use their internet it's free <laughs> so i did i did and i uh went to the career center well not the career center um every day to do my job searching and uh one day the front desk receptionist um said to me she asked me she says do you want my job i'm leaving and i said <laughs> really and she was like, yeah. No, and so of course I'm like in in very much and fashion. Uh said, Are you sure? <laughs> and she said, Yeah, you know, um you you are friendly and you help people um over at the self-service area. And uh, you know, you're here every day anyway. So you may as well. Right. <laughs> <I> said, <laughs> You know what? You're right. I am here every day anyway. So, yeah. um, yeah, you so passed the interview. Possible. You passed the interview. You showed up to work every day. <laughs> right. I mean, I was already showing up. So, um, yeah. So I started as the receptionist there. I worked through a temp agency called ADECO and mm, yep. I did that for about a year until I was brought on to the state government in what's called a federally funded time limited position role, um, which is kind of like a temporary role through government and then uh, was um, hired on as a workforce development specialist one and then left as a workforce development specialist two. Um, but that really instilled a strong belief in workforce development for me. Um, through, that whole through, that, through that whole process was like, was you actually transitioning from uh, different, different jobs? Cause you, I think you mentioned something about like, like there was four different, uh, positions if i'm not mistaken right or, yes or transition through like different companies or like that's what i'm trying to figure out yeah well this so adeco is a adeco is a private company yeah it's um it's a temp agency which you would think of as like a temp agency um so i started in that capacity and then the federally funded time limited position it's it's a little complicated it is through the the um, state government, but it's federally funded. So that's extra money that the, the, the federal government said, okay, you know, here yeah. is this allotted amount for a position. And, mm. um, and then once I was there and a position came open, uh, through the state as what we would call like merit in Kentucky merit status, mm. um, which is a full-time role. So, um, I worked still just with the state of Kentucky that entire time. Same people, um, same organization, kind of, kind of the same position for the most part. Absolutely. Gotcha. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, I wasn't very good at the unemployment insurance part. I think a lot of my coworkers would attest to that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I did mostly employment services, job placements, job fairs and uh, got into kind of in the later phase of that um, recruiting and um, labor market information profiles 
Mm. Nice. Nice. So that that definitely like really built out and like kind of got you prepared for the stage of, of life you're in now. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, I left the state because, um, and started recruiting because I did see such an influx of like greenfield sites and all that coming to the area. And it was at a point where I was looking around the unemployment rate and I was looking around the labor market. And then I was looking at, you know, the amount of positions coming to the area. And I was looking at my employers in the other corner and I was like, guys, um, I think we're going to, we're going to need to start bringing some people in and that's really kind of what got me interested in recruiting and uh in the first place but it was really about sustainability it was about building a sustainable workforce yeah yeah absolutely so whenever you whenever you kind of you what were you doing prior to starting the company that you're at now like what what did that job kind of look like um like day-to-day yeah sure yeah Okay. Um, yeah. So I did, oh gosh, (laughs) (laughs) on, uh, on Mondays and Tuesdays, I operated a satellite office of our agency in Franklin, Kentucky. And, uh, my Franklin, my Franklin people are still very dear to me. I like cherish them. Um, but I, yeah, so I operated an office there independently Mondays and Tuesdays where I would come in, I would go in, I would essentially see uh, customers all day, um, either about their unemployment or about job searching. Um, I would also meet with employers there in the local area and work with them on coordinating events. So either we would do like um, community wide job fairs, that was more of like a once or twice a year thing. Um, Or we would do uh, more often, um, we would do job fairs with just one on one Employers. So one employer at a time, they come in, they use the space, we block off 30 minute uh, interview slots for them. And then um, we would call people and get them in for the interviews. Um, all of that while keeping in kind of mind, okay, what is this person's background? What were they doing previously? Um, would they be a good fit for the position? That kind of thing. Gotcha. And gotcha. that took up a large... <laughs> A large chunk. It was kind of at the point where we were doing, I mean, we were doing multiple events like that a yeah. day. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you think what would be like one of the most valuable things that those services offer that like the, the department? Uh, the career center? Yeah. Gosh, I mean, really, it's just a very good talent pool. Um, and they have access to, to everyone in the local area community. Yeah. Probably at this point. Um, so it's, it's really a great pool for candidates. If you are seeking, you know, we're going to say, we're going to say, you know, if you've got 20 openings for a, uh, like a machine operator position, call the career center. Gotcha. Absolutely. Um, if you are interested in upskilling your workforce, right? If you will say you're getting like a whole fleet of robots and, you know, you're kind of in this process of digitalization and this transition and all of that, 
um, call your career center and uh, see what you can do with on the job training. See what you can do with apprenticeship programs. Um, see what you can do through um, WIOA, which is uh, Workforce Investment Opportunity Act. That's W-I-O-A. Um, call them up and ask them because there's, again, I mean, there's just a lot of funding out there that I, I think really goes under the radar. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. For opportunities like that. Yeah. One thing that's in my mind is I think a lot that one of the major issues with, with like the workforce development things is like so much of the stuff, so many of the things are the awareness of them are in the ecosystem of that facility. Right. So if you go to the workforce development center, they, they know all the things, right. They have all this information. They like, they can direct you to, to find these things. But, but if you don't go down there, a lot of these things can be kind of hard to, to search um, and, and try to find, like it, it is probably like one of your best places to go find out about these things and to discover these things. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, for greenfield sites that are coming into the area, I mean, there's tax incentives for that. That would be, you know, that would be your agency that would handle that more, more than likely, you know, they are going to be that direct line of communication for you to work all that out. And then with your tech colleges and all that to um, also provide training in that capacity. And that's a different set, you know, that's kind of a different pot of funding. Um, So all of that good stuff. And then they'll help you promote your events. And, um, you know, of course, they'll help you kind of decide whether or not if that's the area that you want to be in, if they have the workforce that can sustain what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very valuable resource. Absolutely. I know like a, kind of a small thing, but a huge thing for me was uh, like resume building. Well, the ours had like a, a resume building program and they'd go in there and it'd be like a Wizard. resume building workshop. Yeah. And like, well, and so like just being able to have somebody like kind of guide you through the process because like now, now I could write a resume if I needed to, but like, that's just because my experience level is like, okay, I just put down on paper, like the things that I've done and I know it'll work out. Um, and also having the lens of being a business owner helps out a lot too. But um man, like when it come to, when it came to like, like writing a resume, like that was such a roadblock. It's such a like paralyzing thing for me. Like it's like set down, like it wouldn't be a notebook, but set down the notebook and, and like, huh, just there and stare at it for a minute. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So like having that guidance, like was extremely helpful. So many candidates reach out to me and they, they want me to look at their resume. And I think, you know, I think it's like, it's, you know, there's not like, it's not like you're writing, like, you know, what did we have to write in school and you had to do like the work cited and all that. Like, there's not like a, like specific template. Or this something is or... the, yeah. Black and yeah. white. It's not like super, yeah. like, this is what you do. But, yeah. um, most of the time, I mean, they, they end up sending it to me and I'm looking at it and I'm like, well, what's, you know, what's wrong, what's wrong with it? I think we just kind of psych ourselves out. Right. Or maybe it's even like digging into a level of um, like imposter syndrome. You're like, did I really, did I, did I do that? Can I put that on my resume? Absolutely. The answer is yes. The answer is always yes. Yeah. (laughs) No, I I like, I like that. Somebody, somebody else mentioned like the imposter syndrome thing and like, 
this kind of goes into like my like what I was diving into uh, before with the like the way that I, you know, I dropped out of high school, got a GED, did a community college. Right. So like there's like a side that's like the like the imposter syndrome where it's like just kind of an insecurity of like, did I like did I do those things or are these things worthy enough to put on a on a resume like um and and so like that that imposter syndrome is so huge on like people's psychology psychology on like I don't know wh- whether they find it valuable or I think the big part is truth right like I'm a, I'm a big individual on like truth and if I feel like anything is like a lie or like skewed from the truth it's hard for me to like say it or you know that, that, I don't know if that makes sense but it does. It does. I'm going to, I'm, I'm working on my, I'm recovering from imposter syndrome myself. I'm like, did I do? Yes, I did. I did do that. Yes, I did. I was there for that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I get it. I get it. One of the big things that I think like now that like makes some, like if I was to go back to employee and have to like write a resume, like one of the things I think would be that's easier for me is like, kind of like the math side of things. Like I programmed Alan Bradley PLC for, you know, four years, five years, whatever the time frame is. I programmed Fanuc robots for X amount of times doing this type of applications. So like, it's a little bit more like black and white. Yeah. I guess it's a little bit more black and white in the mind as far as like, here's what I did. Here's how long I did it. Here was the type of applications it was with. Yeah. I think that's a great, way to put it. Um, and that's really what you're looking for, right? You're looking for, um, like, um, what you've, what you've done. Um, I don't know. I think some people call that like a deliverable or something, (laughs) but it's, um, it's what you've accomplished, how you accomplished it. And if you can get a result squeezed in there somewhere, that's, that's the key. That's the formula. It's gold. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cause like most, I would say most people they care, they care about the accomplishment, especially I feel like smaller companies, like when you're dealing with the founder, they care more about like, what is X, Y, Z thing that you did versus, you know, maybe in some bigger companies and you're, you're probably much better off at, at having insights on this, but like maybe bigger companies are care a little bit more about like, I don't know, some of the more human resources side of things. Like I did, like, let's say for like ex volunteer work or, I don't know, maybe you can, maybe you can kind of elaborate on what you kind of see uh, market wise, as far as that goes. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, I think, um, you know, during an interview, and that's another thing that I think is super intimidating that isn't really supposed to be. Um, it's more about assessing what skills you currently have and what skills, you know, would you have to train somebody to achieve basically. Um, and then how you kind of, uh, conduct yourself. And that really depends on, it goes back to like soft skills, right? So, um, that kind of really depends on, um, what your role is in the company, but, you know, of course, team skills, um, communication skills, interpersonal skills, those are going to be, those are going to be mandatory. 
um, at this point, especially as we move forward with technology um, in manufacturing, we're going to see a lot more need to collaborate. Um, and how we collaborate, how we collaborate is changing too. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, but you know, really, you know, if if you're coming in as is a controls programmer engineer, you know, there's going to be a specific programming that we already use, right? Um, and I'm going to hope that you have that and I'm going to call you because that was already on your resume. Um, but you know, kind of walking through what applications you've used that for and Mm -hmm. what environments you've worked in, in the past using that same programming language, um, that's going to be a really key. Do do you see many people like doing like adaptive resumes where like, when they submit a resume to different potential employers that they, they shift around the resume a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, I think it depends on what role you're applying for in the company. Um, You see that a lot in kind of that upper level towards Mm C-suite capacity, not as much on um, kind of the, the frontline workforce. Yeah. Yeah. Engineering, but it's, you know, you can definitely do that. Yeah. You know, for me personally, like what I see is I, I, I probably agree that it doesn't occur, right? People are not adapting their, their resumes. And I think for a, like you said, a lot of positions, it doesn't matter, right? If you're going to be an operator or. This episode of the manufacturing come up is sponsored by Elite Automation. Elite Automation is a systems integrator specializing in robotic weld cell applications, and especially the design and manufacturing of the weld fixture. If you have any robotic weld cell needs, you can reach us at RFQ at EliteAutomationUSA.com. You know, maybe like even if you go like CNC machines, it depends on like what you're really trying to accomplish. Like if you're trying to like make a shift to like make more money or something like that, then I think the investment into the resume is probably makes sense. Like let's say for instance, like even if you go CNC machinists and you have experience with a bunch of different materials and um, you're, you're applying for a position and you know that they do like a lot of um, food industry. So they're doing like a lot of stainless steel, right? And so if you can like highlight that like I've machined stainless steel on your resume and kind of list that as like the major thing that you do, then like that can kind of like, Oh, okay. Like, and and immediately kind of trigger that, that employer to dig deeper. Absolutely. Yeah. I've definitely seen cases for in that before um, with that specific example. actually. Um, (laughs) So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And the great thing about, um, you know, the, the metals industry is it's a pretty good industry to be in. So that's something, you know, if you're coming from outside that industry, maybe you work for like a, um, like a supplier, something like that, OEM, um, and you're interested in kind of moving up in, uh, in your career and advancing your skill sets, because when you get into metals, it's, it's a little bit more technically involved and um machinery is a lot bigger and you know there is a whole process depending on you know yeah depending on the plant and everything uh and what the end product is um but an operator that works 
you know, for an OEM supplier is not, is, is, is going to, you know, is not going to make as much as an operator that works for, uh, like a steel manufacturer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. And like certain opportunities is like, I mean, like maybe, maybe if like you're going to work like a Toyota, I could see like you would get hired in at not entry level and can find some way to maybe get like a dollar or two extra. If you came from like, you know, working on the line at GM or something like that. And so you're transitioning from like GM to Toyota or Toyota to GM where it's like very specific, um, which I mean, I, realistically you're probably already going to have that listed in your resume as well. And uh, really what, what part of what brought, made me bring this topic up in general is because like a lot of times when it comes to like, a controls engineer like we hire based on like a specific need right and so like if you know i have a listing that says hiring alan bradley plc programmer and like you know they have like toya puck siemens and it's like at the very bottom of the list is like alan bradley it's like you know like right. if they would have just shifted that around and just even put alan bradley at the top even if it wasn't the most recent like just done something to where it's like in in the eyes of the of the viewer, um, they would immediately became more more entertaining as a potential candidate. Absolutely, yeah. Because when you see that, it's like okay. <laughs> so you know, it makes you stop and question. You're like, okay, um, I see that you got a little bit there, but then you know you've got to go kind of further and dig like okay you know how much of this do you have versus the other uh, the other programming languages right yep. yeah i've definitely been in that position <laughs> what are what are some things on the as far as the um resume aspect or have you seen anything that kind of helps with uh individuals getting positions more than others I think basically, I mean, what, what you're, that Alan Bradley example you just gave is, is pretty on point with that. Yeah. I mean, in the more specific, especially like what I would consider those hard skill sets, right? So like yeah. your hands-on experience, if you're hands-on with uh, Siemens or Alan Bradley or, or whatever, Ignition, you know, I would, I, I would like to see that. And yeah. um, if you have that experience and then you can mm -hmm. demonstrate that experience in the interview, however, you know, the, the employer or the client, you know, however they uh proceed with their interview process to determine that um then i think you know that's a good that's that's where you want to be that's going to give you the best chances of um being considered for that role yeah. uh one of the other things that so the platform is is one and then like another thing would be the um process right so let's say for instance, like you could say Alan Bradley, but was it like palletizing applications? Was it packaging machinery? Was it, you know, like what type of equipment were you dealing with? Was it just conveyors? Uh, was it, was it a uh, distribution center? A lot of these things are very important. And like, you can take that same thing into like a CNC shop, uh, machine shop. You know, are we talking about uh, a one inch by one inch part that you're, that you're machining? Or are we talking about, 
a 20 foot by 20 foot part that you're machining like a lot of these are like key differences that would could potentially like be like the reason absolutely and that's something you know that i think goes under the radar as well that you know specific industry difference and um you know that's it that kind of gets into a really feel like that kind of gets into my philosophical realm there uh malachi but um you know you just think about the 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 shortage the skills gap shortage mm -hmm. that we have and then you think about industry specifics right which are important i'm not saying they're not but we have to figure out how to weigh like a better way to uh tweak that gap a little bit i think it can be done gotcha you, you know you, what i mean because i from, do think that's people get hung up on that a little much i think sometimes. are you are you saying like transitioning from one thing to another mm -hmm. gotcha yeah definitely. yeah yeah that makes sense because i mean like like say for instance for us like whenever we're having customer uh, meetings, we're essentially being interviewed every single customer meeting. It's like, well, what type of applications do you guys do? Which is that exact same thing that uh, employers are asking the employee in a sense. Um, and, and closing that gap. Don't get me wrong. I think that it is good to be an expert at, at whatever it is that you do, right? But also at some level after like, a company can gain so much skill and have uh, a level of engineering team or, or whatever, right? Like their, their thing is that uh, at some point, like all the things become relatively uh, the same, right? So if we were, for us, like if we were to say material handling, it's on an application to application basis, whether it's something that we feel is complex, you might look at this and, and, and say, you know, this is a nightmare. We might look at it and say, oh no, we got, we got the solution for you, <laughs> you know, but everybody else is like yeah. scared of it. They don't want to touch it, but like, maybe it's cause like their mind's not thinking of it in a certain way. Um, I posted a video, I think last night and went, we did a customer onsite visit yesterday and basically the, the customer said, Hey, there's been three automation companies in here. Every one of them came in here, basically laughed at the situation and said, there's no way we can automate this. Right. And so we spent a good, like, at least probably a couple hours with them. Right. And just like in their facility, looking at their process and kind of brainstorming with them and going through their different SKUs and things like that. And, uh, and came up with a solution that like, that would help them. But so I guess point being with this is right. That the skill, the skill doesn't have to be absolutely 101% directly related. This particular customer, have we done this exact automation application? No, we haven't. I don't think anybody's done this exact automation application. <laughs> but um, so it's like you have to be a little bit more open to like what what skills are very transferable versus like what skills are not. <laughs> exactly. That's the key word. You know, really finding those transferable skills and having the patience, having the patience, you know, to mm -hmm. really see the transferable skills uh, for, for what they are and be able to develop an employee. I mean, listen, like in this jobs market, um, you know, it's it's going to be pretty rare that you get the person that's, you know, like perfect for the role. You're going to invest a little bit of time developing this person. Yeah, that's a given absolutely. at this point, you know, and um, just being a, just being a little bit more flexible.
in yeah. that. And a lot of companies are there. I've got a lot of great clients that are that Good. do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the, you know, yeah. the also like that onboarding training process of like, you know, okay, cool. They brought in somebody maybe that, that has like a side tangent skill. Um, but like how they bring them into the company and how they get them acclimated to like equipment processes, things like that is, is like you said, is very, very important. Exactly. I've definitely, for me personally, like what I, what I, I mean, I have not had a ton of different jobs. Like I've only had like, actually only a couple jobs my entire life. Um, but like one of the things that I like was constantly thrown into was like me just having to figure something out. Right. So everything was like a major learning curve that I had to do. Right. There wasn't somebody to show me how to do the thing. And a lot of these like bigger companies, like they should have processes in place where, you know, if when we hire X person, he goes and hangs out with Billy Joe for three weeks, a month, whatever they can, they can do to kind of get him up to speed and kind of shorten his, that person's curve to, to the processes. I will tell you that brings up another point. So I will tell you that I just finished up a, a retention study mm. for a large scale manufacturing company and they had a very specific training process like that. Mm. And some of the best feedback I got in doing that study was about that training process. Really? Like they really felt mm -hmm, the employees really felt like they were invested in that. They were cared for during that time that mm. they learned a lot from the company, um, that they learned a lot of transferable skills from the company. Mm. Um, so that was, that seemed to really be a, a hit with them. And I think that's yeah. important. Yeah. Getting acclimated to your environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, I like the, like the way, the way you brought that up and mentioned that shows like on a cultural level, like the employee's appreciation for that employer. Exactly. And that's, that's um, you know, that was um, all frontline workforce that was coming from your frontline workforce. Yeah. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Like, so like, like companies that, cause when you say culture, like I like to talk culture a lot. When you say culture, it could, it can, it can become hard. It's like, it can be one of those things. It's like, well, how do we build culture? Right. And so things like that are like key indicators. If you can find other scenarios of like, Hey, this got a positive feedback from like work studies and things like that that say, you know, um, XYZ employees appreciated their employer more if X happens, if they do a process like this. So like this, this onboarding and training process is like perfect example of, of building the culture. Absolutely. And having a level of consistency, you know, anytime I think I, and I, I think we take that for granted, you know, I think that um, sometimes we take the, you know, it's sometimes I think we get so comfortable as, as leaders. You know, if we've been doing the same thing over and over, and this could be, you know, your hiring manager, or this could, you know, I could be talking about myself here, really and truly. But we get so comfortable in what we're doing that it becomes so second nature that we forget yeah. that at one point we learned this too. Yeah. And, you know, not taking or giving the space to um, understand the level of consistency that yeah. it took 
you know, took you to get here. You know, you got to offer that to other people. A lot of times, like this is definitely one of the things like I'll struggle with, struggle with, like, especially if I put somebody in a leadership role, I'm like, okay, hey, here's this thing. I'm giving it to you. This is your thing now. And I also like trying to like structure our company in a way where it doesn't need me. Right. And so like people will come to me and say, hey, like, what, what should I do about X? And I'm like, I don't know. That's your department. You figure it out. So uh, definitely have to be careful on like, on like how much uh, I go about doing it like that, because then you also create the, oh, my boss never helps me. I'm always by myself. I don't ever have any support, things like that. So um, creating, creating that like ecosystem where you have like that fine balance. Like if I need to do like that, right. If I do need to operate like that and I probably operate more aggressively in that nature because I'm trying to, I want our growth to be extremely quick and, and trying to streamline things. So there's going to be more frustrations uh, with that process. And that's also something that we, we have to be aware of as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that, you know, I think when you hear these terms like leading with empathy and like, you know, all the, all of the kind of cultural, um, corporate jargon sometimes right yeah. um yeah. i think that's a good example of yeah. uh what that looks like for sure i agree what are uh some of the soft skills that have been uh the most prominent for people getting positions communication and the ability to communicate is huge communicate across an organization Gotcha. So across departments. Gotcha. You know, parallel and like, like up and down, like laterally and vertically. Gotcha. Gotcha. What are effectively? What, effectively. What are, I guess, could, could you potentially give some examples of like what that may look like or sound like on a resume? Um, worked with, uh, you know, shipping department for XYZ, uh, worked with production planning crew for, you know, number of parts produced, um, you know, worked with contractors like project engineers a lot, you know, they're going to have to work with contractors, facilitated, uh, conversations, did the planning, all that, and then worked back with plant management you know, worked with HR to establish and assess staffing needs. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So like that one's a pretty like interesting one or one that I'm interested in because like it's on paper, it's one of the harder ones for me to like put down on paper, like communication skills. Like, okay. Like I'm not very good soft, soft skill individual. And, uh, I'm very much like very engineering E and like, I'm not going to say I'm not good at soft skills. I'm not good at putting like the soft skills on paper is the part that I'm not good at. Right. Like I actually, uh, we're gonna have a video coming out or it's, it's basically, I just had my worst customer meeting ever. Right. And so like the whole thing with this one is, is like, and it also dives into like, after you've been doing something for so long that like, you just kind of take things for granted. Um, and so that, like, that's really what it dives into is like, the uh it's almost like you're so good at the process that you forget to explain to people like how the process works or like 
like in this particular scenario, it was like, how are we helping the customer out? It's like, well, what do you mean? Like, we're going to give you guys ROI. We're going to, you know, labor shortages, like all the key words. Right. Um, but I think like sometimes like it, you can become like, I don't say like so much of an expert at what you do, but like you kind of almost lose sight of the smaller details, the, the, the trigger words that people want to hear. Absolutely. You know, that's a, that's a great point. Yeah. So I think it's like important for people to be able to like find a way to like talk, like something like soft skills, right. That's kind of where, where that stemmed from is like, soft skills on paper would be hard for me to write down but like if we get if so, if i get to talking with somebody and then then the, the conversation opens up then it's like oh okay this guy obviously he can communicate i mean he's like you know on paper like i, I operated a company now so like being able to operate a company in itself like says like these soft skills of being able to manage x people da 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 um but I think those can also be very difficult for somebody to, to put down on pieces of paper. It's very hard. Soft skills are very hard to um, not only identify, but also uh, communicate effectively. I, I usually, I mean, my go-to advice for, um, for individuals that are looking for a new job, uh, my go-to advice is generally to focus more on hard skill sets on your resume, because that's really going to get you called and mm. then find a way to convey those hard skills with your soft skills in the yeah. interview. So, you know, well, you said that you worked with, um, you know, multiple vendors and contractors, um, third parties, whatever, you know, what was the end result of that? And what was the process that you took to lead to that result? And that's really kind of where you can go back and, you know, explain during the interview. Well, this was a very specific example during that time period where I had to overcome um, some sort of maybe it's a purchasing issue or whatever. And I had right. to, you know, directly coordinate with the purchasing manager and resolve the issue and, you know, communicate that information back to uh the contractor vendor and and all of that gotcha this episode of the manufacturing come up is sponsored by elite automation elite automation is focusing on amr technologies amrs are autonomous mobile robots used in your facility to transfer goods or products from one side of your facility to the other this is a super powerful tool and it's a new piece of technology that us as systems integrators can utilize as a tool to leverage your company to be more advanced than the next company and be able to automate systems that at one point were not able to be automated. If you have any AMR needs, you can reach us at rfq at eliteautomationusa.com. Are you aware of anything that gives you like a list of like, uh, like keywords or terms that would like, I maybe you just look at Google, like soft, soft skill, like terms, like, I'm thinking like able to solve or, or figured this out or, you know, coordinated with like, so like, I think a lot of those words are, uh, demonstrate the, whatever the next thing is, right. Is that soft skill that you were able to do. But then the, the first part of that, whatever that word is, is like the executable part of like what it is that you did. Like, uh, like the verbiage, right. Yep. 
Um, I don't know if there's a specific list for verbiage in that capacity. I know that there are multiple lists that you can find of soft skills. Um, that was, I had to do a lot of research for that. For That's part of the uh, workforce development program is two, uh, two classes in soft skills development. So I've done a lot of research. I've done, I've found a lot of lists of highly desirable soft skills. I found some great YouTube videos out there kind of demonstrating real life examples of soft skills. I found some really good ones that, um, that are just funny. You know, it's educational in the terms that it's like what not to do, but there's a couple of really good videos, um, that some, some super creative folks have put together of like from stepbrothers. You remember that scene where they're mm -hmm. like, <laughs> where they're interviewing for a job and then take each other with them. Um, and it's like, what not to do. Right. In an interview. Um, you know, so there's some really good, um, good content out there. That's also very educational, but you know, far more entertaining than. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. X, Y, Z do X, Y, Z or whatever. But, yeah. um, there's all kinds of resources out there for soft skills development. Gotcha. As of right now, what, I guess you could dive in a little bit to like your current processes. What do you currently have going on within, in your company and kind of the direction you're going? Oh gosh, that's a great, great question. Um, so yeah, I, um, I'm actively recruiting. <laughs> I am. Um, I just, uh, I just, We'll be. I'll be starting some new search requests uh, here in the next couple of weeks, and um, I'm also kind of working more to develop this uh, retention study aspect. I think that's, you know, I, and I've had some really good conversations on LinkedIn lately about retention versus recruiting, and kind of the mm -hmm. difference. And, you know, is it because we are putting so much emphasis on recruiting, right? And we're putting so much emphasis on the skills gap, you know, really, is it, is it recruiting or is it retention mm. and kind of separating the yeah. two? I really want to kind of get further into that. And then creatively, you know, I love doing Workforce 4.0. It's been so much fun. I know you were a guest and uh, <laughs> that was just a lot of fun to do that. And uh, I think, uh, I think it's good for the community, you know, to, oh, to reach out and support each other and give each other a voice and talk about workforce and technology and all the cool stuff. Um, so I'm planning uh, on doing season, the official season three, because Workforce 4.0 hometown was kind of just very local to okay. North Alabama. Um, but working on developing that into a full on podcast and nice. uh, seeing where that goes. Nice. Are you, yeah. are you, this is kind of like a side tangent question. Are you doing seasons because it's like you can have breaks in between or what's the, what's the season thing? I'm doing seasons because I do need, I, yeah. Yeah. Breaks. I'm thinking, yeah. And then, you know, I'm a big, I don't know. Do you Netflix? Are you a Netflix person? You like Netflix? Mm. Yeah, probably. I, yeah, I kind of, I, it's like my, like one. When you getaway, can. Probably. Yeah. It's like my one getaway. Like whenever I like want to act like, or not act like whenever I just want to get away from what my actual life is, I'll go put on like a ninja movie or something. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like when I, when I want to check out for a while, you know, right. like right now, I went am I watching this show called Firefly Lane. I don't know if anybody watches it out there, but um, you know, when I, after I come off like a huge run, those that's, that's really kind of my nature and um, watch movies. And, well, yeah. Well, my nature is to just go hard for a while. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Decompress. Yeah. Yeah. So when I'm coming off like a huge, like multiple projects, mm -hmm. you know, um, or whatever, and I just need to like come back to center. Sure. Um, I think I, I Netflix, but you know, they break down into like eight episodes. I think that's kind of where I got the original idea, but I'm thinking, you know, it's, it's a little bit more manageable and yeah. I like having that space in between so that I can have um, more certainty, certainty in the types of, of conversations I want to have, if that Absolutely. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. You know, for, for me, I like very, very big into like strategy. I'm like, that's where my like head operates at the most. Um, and so like, I'm not extremely creative, which is why we have a team for it. But uh, on the strategy side of things, like, I'm always analyzing. And I think like with the, what you're doing on the season thing, one thing that's super good about the season type of uh, structure is one, it gives you the ability to, to take a break. It gives you the ability to, kind of shift the narrative of uh, of your episodes, right? Like if season four comes out, like you have different titles to do your different seasons, right? So like each one of those seasons kind of has its own like flavor to it, right? So it gives you that. And then also the consumability. I think that definitely as a, as a viewer of content, people are like, Oh, okay, I can watch through season one. Okay, cool. I've watched season one. Oh, okay, cool. I've watched season two. Um, whereas, like on the other side, if you're just like cranking out content, at some point you're like, dude, I can never keep up with these episodes. Like, why? Right. Would I try? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. So, like, that's. I think that there's definitely uh, some benefit on the and 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 doing season type of episodes. Side tangent there, but <laughs> no, I think I think we're already kind of pre predisposition to that because of things like the Netflix and the Hulu and the, I mean, even back yeah. before we had all that, I mean, you know, like, it, seasons, like yeah. I remember my mother, she is so, she was so funny. Um, but you know, she was a big George Clooney fan. Yeah. Cause he's from Kentucky and all that mess. <laughs> but I remember my mother just being so over the top when a new season of ER would come on. Y'all remember that? Yeah. <laughs> she, I mean, it was a thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a thing. It was something to, to look forward Absolutely. to. I think yeah. my grandma, I think my grandma recorded them all on VHS. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so where, where can people find you at? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, LinkedIn is probably the best way to get a hold of me um, because I do love, I love it. I love, uh, I love our community over there. Don't yeah. you? Absolutely. Um, some great folks. And, uh, you know, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, um, just reach out to me a DM. You know, I'm pretty responsive there. Um, otherwise, I do have a website. It's annwhiterecruiting.com. And that tells you kind of more about what our services, what I can offer you as a company or as a candidate. I have an entire resource library, too, that I've been working on building out over the past couple mm -hmm. of years. So I have like templates and stuff, all that cool stuff um, and the job board. 
Um, and um, otherwise, that's that's probably the two best ways. I'm on all social AY recruits. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on the on the LinkedIn thing. Like, we're across all platforms, but if if LinkedIn went away, I don't know what I'd do. I don't use any other social platform really. I would cry. <laughs> I would have to give up, I guess, and and uh, go go back on over to Twitter. <laughs> or, uh, you know, which I, I'm, you know, <laughs> Twitter's been a lot of fun to watch lately, um, which you know, I don't really oh, yeah. have a dog in that fight. So I, it's just fun to watch, but, um, yeah. you know, I, it, right. But it's so hard to like, yeah, I don't like their DMS as much. I don't know. I like, yeah. I like, um, I like LinkedIn and I like the, you, you never kind of, you kind of never know what you're going to get in other platforms. Like on LinkedIn, I'm like, uh, you know, I can get on LinkedIn and expect my feed to be full of, you know, yeah. kind of high level conversations. And, and that's yeah. really, I like all that. So. Yeah. I think anybody who's like career driven and, and, uh, or interested in careers and just like being in that space, I think LinkedIn is just the place for that conversation to be had. I, I have a prediction though, that if LinkedIn's not careful, I think somebody else is going to come in primarily because if LinkedIn becomes more of a Facebook and like you just get everything content, then it's going to create a gap in the market again for somebody else to come out with something that is strictly, you know, career professional. I think that's one thing people like about LinkedIn. Like they, they like being personal. There's, you see more personality now on LinkedIn than ever before. Like I really started on LinkedIn like three years ago and, uh, even then, like people were like direct messaging me, like take these posts down. This post is not for this, and they're, like wasn't even like super personal or anything. And I'm like, okay, Sally Sue, like whatever. <laughs> but, like, okay, Becky, calm down. Yeah, okay, Becky, yeah. Uh, but yet, I it's kind of weird because like like let's say being a victim of, of that, right? I personally like the professionalism of LinkedIn and I hope that it never loses its professionalism. Um, so one of the main things I like about the platform. Have you, how do you, so, so that kind of, can I ask a question? Can I ask a sure. Question? Ask some questions. Okay. Um, how um, have you seen that? Like, do you feel that way? Because I, to the best, I won't say too much, but to the best of my knowledge, um linkedin goes out of their way to prevent that from happening do you do you feel like it's it's yeah. more like a a facebook or uh, it, yeah so it's definitely it's, yeah it's definitely still way off from a facebook it's definitely not you know facebook e right but but what i can say is like the if if you was like rated on professionalism three years ago to professionalism now, there's been a dramatic drop. I would I would almost say like maybe fifty percent. It's pretty. I think it's pretty big. Like I I mean and and it, it my you know maybe my memory could be skewed, but like three years ago, like I don't really recall that many people posting selfies. Or if they were posting a selfie, it was like on the job site doing something or like at least that's my recollection of what I used to see a lot on LinkedIn. And now you see just like more pictures of like people's dogs and like just personal related things. Right. 
that's kind of like the biggest transition I see. Yeah, um, I do see that. I and I, I guess you know because I post some of, about Phoenix on there. Because, you know, I can't help it. I think that's <laughs> part of you know yeah. the mom, the whole mom situation. But um, sure. but I do think it's important. I'll give you I'll give you guys a LinkedIn tip if you want it. Um, I do think that it's important if you're going to post content like that, like personal content like that, to make sure that the text of your post relates, make sure it kind of relates back. So I know, like, I think the last picture I posted of Phoenix and I was when it was home, he had staff. Oh, oh poor child. Um, but, you know, I had him home from school and I was yeah. working and all that. But my, my, the point, the real point of the post was basically to demonstrate, you know, being a single mom, what work-life balance has to look like yeah. to some degree, yeah. right? There is no other, you know, there is no other person right here. Right? It's yeah. me, right. you know? So when, when your child is sick and you have, your kids are adorable, by the way. Thank you. When your child is sick, <laughs> guess guess who's taken off you know um so what work-life balance if we're going to attract a more diverse workforce in manufacturing Mm -hmm. what that balance has to a lot for because right now it's like one or the other and we don't have the workforce to sustain one or the other yep yeah so yeah you and like the big thing is there, like you, you, the key point that you pointed out, and that is like one of the things that I, that I kind of make it a must for myself personally is like you in the copy you made it relate back, right? Exactly. So like, that's one of my minimum requirements. Like I'll post something with the with the kids. Sometimes it's like a cute thing. I think I posted like some things, and they're wearing like hard hats, and they got they put the jackets on, and and. uh you know, maybe I'll be like future engineers or future, you know, whatever. Right. And, and so like, there's still a portion of that that kind of like ties back. I always just make sure there's some, at least some bit of that. That's like either work-life balance or, um, you know, parenting life with work somehow, or just like so many different things like that. Right. Um, I think it, I, it for me is a, a personal thing. What I don't really care what anybody does ever. Uh, I'm just that type of individual. Like you would do whatever you want to do, man. Like I'm very uh, <laughs> open-minded to, you know, cool. As long as, as long as your stuff isn't in my Kool-Aid, I'm okay. Um, but uh, me personally, like, like say for instance, and I think you kind of have, are thinking in the same way of like with LinkedIn, it's like, let's somehow like keep this in a professional way where like I can post the personal things, but I can also, add some a- aspect of like profession to it as well. Yeah, absolutely. But I think, you know, I, I, I think that the personal posts too, though, they make you human. Yeah. Too. I mean, I, you know, it's like, bef- like in the before times, you couldn't really, I mean, I've been on LinkedIn since 2012 and it was very lonely and I'm very excited about the growth LinkedIn has had in the yeah. community that we've, we've got going on because it, it was back in the, back in the dark ages. So it was, yeah. it was a lot slower. Yeah, you um, you definitely know like then like LinkedIn and like in, in its more original days of like if you posted something that was like off kilter at all, like people were like stuffy. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, 
people be in the comments, get off of LinkedIn if you're going to be posting stuff like this. Like, <laughs> right? They'll come. They come. They came for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. it was really stuffy. So, I, but I think so. That's what I'm saying. I think that you can post the personal post. Yeah. Does it need to be every single post? No. You know, you need to try to have a very diverse, robust LinkedIn mm -hmm. strategy. So I'll say, like, I'll post, you know, um, educational. I try to post like educational stuff or like, you know, knowledge sharing uh, mm -hmm. content, uh, which is, you know, mainly if I'm posting like on Workforce Wednesday, that's mm -hmm. a great example of that, right? I want to share the, the good vibes of, yep. of what, you know, the manufacturing workforce is up to. Um, and then other days I'll post about, you know, maybe, um, I don't know, recruitment strategy or, or candidate strategy, client strategy, being kind of specific with that and and try to share the information that I've learned along the way. And I, I love that about, about LinkedIn. I learn so much from everybody and um, hope that I can match that energy, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody, if you're not on LinkedIn, get on LinkedIn. Uh, go go check us out. Um, LinkedIn is super powerful. Anybody who's like, if you're just now going about to get into college, like get on LinkedIn, like start exploring what's going on. Um, start learning, learning the space and also start posting content. Don't just get a LinkedIn and, and just explore, but post some things, right? Like do like if you're in your lecture, if you learn something in one of your things, like and one of your classes, like post that up, like um, employers will see that, potentially see that, right? And and you might be the guy that gets the job because they've been seeing you on LinkedIn for a couple of years. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, I tell, um, I, I that's part of the candidate advice I give too. I mean, you know, <laughs> if you, you're out there looking for a, for a new opportunity, like I want to, I want to see it, you know, see yeah. it, tag me in it. I'll blow you. Yeah. I'll blow up your your post for you. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I want everybody to see, yeah, that yes, you are working on these projects and you are a rock star. And you know what? You do deserve you deserve a yeah. a better paying job or one that's going to bring you more work life balance or whatever. Yeah, hundred and one. Okay, what last valuable tips do you have for the community before we get out of here today? Oh gosh. Um, don't, uh, don't be afraid to be, you know, kind of, uh, kind of yourself and don't, uh, don't, especially when it comes to like, you know, posting or, or, or reaching out or, or whatever, you know, just, uh, make, uh, make some good connections and, mm -hmm. um, you know, um, don't be afraid to start a conversation or engage in a conversation. Yeah. That, that's some good LinkedIn advice. Yeah, absolutely. Build connections. Don't be scared to reach out. I'm one of those guys that's st still scared to reach out. I don't even like, I don't know what it is. But something about me. I I'll get in the comments, but like DMing people, I don't know. I just, I'm like introverted. I'm like, I don't know. But I know. Yeah. I had to, I had to. I I had to get over. I had to get over it, Malachi. I had to. <laughs> Absolutely. And thank you for being with us here today. I think some bombs were definitely dropped. Um, some super valuable information for everybody uh, getting into their career and who are already in their career. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. I love it. I love that you're doing this and keep up the good work and um, keep posting amazing content. Thank you. Appreciate it. See you, Anne.